Welcome to Advancing All Women with Sarah Alter, President and CEO of Network of Executive Women. On this show, you'll hear top executives and experts talk the most pressing topics for women in the workplace. From advancing women of color, to developing and engaging male allies, to how to navigate the new workplace post-COVID-19. Sarah will cover it all as she and her guests dig into these key issues. Now, here's your host, Sarah Alter. My name is Sarah Alter. My pronouns are she and her. I'm a white woman. I have blonde hair, hazel eyes. I'm wearing green glasses on those hazel eyes, and I'm wearing a green shirt. I intentionally started our show today with this self-description because in our virtual meeting era, people who have low vision or are blind cannot see us. And this is but one of many, many disabilities that exist in our world. They span from physical or mobile to intellectual, cognitive or learning, psychological, visual, hearing, neurological, and even invisible. In fact, one in five people in our world have a disability. So in the spirit of our show and our new mission, today we're going to educate you as leaders in how you can prevent ableism, and we'll explain that later, from happening, and how you need to and should be providing equal opportunity and access to anyone in your company with disabilities. So for your reference, behind the scenes, we've included live captioning today. We're recording for a video viewing later when we post our podcast, and we're joined by a sign language interpreter. All things that we should be aware of and be providing. But most importantly, I'm joined by the most impressive list of guests. We have Commissioner Rachel Arfa from the Mayor's Office for People with Disabilities in the city of Chicago, our hometown. Um, Deputy Commissioner Christina McLean, again, from the Mayor's Office for People with Disabilities right here in Chicago. We have Lori Golden, who is the Ability Strategy Leader from Ernst & Young, and Michelle Adams, Vice President Risk Management Operations and Casualty Claims from Walmart. I am Sarah Alter, the CEO and President for the Network of Executive Women and your host of the Voice America Advancing All Women radio show and podcast. So welcome to everybody who's joining us today, and let's get started. All right, so um, I'd I'd love to have everybody start with their self-description, and then I'd love to have you share your personal or professional journey and and what brought you to this incredible role that you play and and just to this very conversation today. So, Michelle, I'm going to kick off with you. Thank you so much, Sarah. So, I am a white woman with brown hair and brown eyes. I am wearing a navy blue sleeveless top, and I have dark rimmed glasses that I'm wearing so that I can see you all better. Um, I My pronouns are she and her, and I am so thrilled to be here today. Um, you asked 
what brought us here? What's our journey? Um, briefly, I'm very proud to lead Casualty Claims with uh, Walmart. I lead Walmart Claims Services. I joined Walmart about a year and a half ago, um, and it's been an interesting journey making a, a big move to such a, a big company during um, what's been a truly pre unprecedented time um, throughout the pandemic. But before that, I spent 24 years with Walt Disney World in Orlando, Florida, where I also led um, risk management. Part of the, my journey and my background for 30 years has been managing claims um, with people who might have had life-altering injuries. And I think that's what started me on this journey and creating awareness for me of what it means to navigate your life with a disability. And then further on, um, as, I, as I became a mother, I have a, a wonderful daughter who um, is neurodiverse. And it, it's interesting because there's so many different words that we use to describe um, disability. And I've yeah. been on a journey throughout my life with this from high-functioning disability to learning disability to just describing her as neurodiverse. And then in addition to that, I am a woman with a chronic con medical condition that's not visible. So all of those things together have kind of put this front and center in my life, whether I wanted it to be or not, but I think I'm better for it. So I'm so happy to be here with you all today. Oh, thank you. Thank you for being here. What an incredible story too. Um, Lori. Hello. Please join us. <laughs> Pleased to do so. Excellent. Hi, I'm, I'm Lori Golden. Um, I am a white woman with short blonde hair, uh, wearing glasses, and uh, a white sweater today. My pronouns are uh, she and her. And uh, I am also somebody with non-visible disabilities. I have fibromyalgia and um, a, something called hyposomnia, which is related to narcolepsy and a variety of other funky, non-visible disabilities. And I have two children uh, with also um, non-visible disabilities. And uh, I'm here uh, in both with you today and in my role as Ability Strategy Leader at EY um, because I always wanted to make a difference in, in people's lives and was lucky enough to be tapped on the shoulder by a leader who had a personal connection to disability and asked me to take on uh, a project looking at whether people with disabilities might be an underleveraged talent pool. And Absolutely. my immediate reaction was, I didn't know anything about this and I didn't connect to it. Um, and you just heard me tell you my connection. Right. right. And, you know, I point that out because I think that is typical. Um, yeah. You cited the, the statistic uh, one in five globally, but in the U.S. it's actually over one in four. And that was before the pandemic. Um, and 35% of households. Um, have one or more people with disabilities. Um, so this is all around us. It's just Absolutely. that we don't see it. Um, so I think it's really important for us first to understand that virtually everybody listening today 
has had an experience with disability, will have, um, or has a, a friend or, or family member or other close connection with disability. So this is not a marginal issue. It's a mainstream issue that really impacts all of us. Absolutely. Lori, thank you for sharing that. Um, Commissioner Arfa. Hey, good morning, everyone. Um, thank you so much uh, for having me. Of course, thank um, you. Commissioner Rachel Arfa of the Mayor's Office for People with Disabilities. I was appointed to this role um, in July of 2020 by Mayor Leifert. And um, in stepping into this role, um, I am the first deaf person to be a member of a mayor's cabinet at the highest ranking deaf person in city government. Um, yes, so and I'm, uh, I'm a Chicago native. I'm born and raised here. I'm, I love um, Chicago and um, growing up as a deaf person. Um, but I'm, first, I should mention that. Um, and then I'm profoundly deaf, so I um, learned how to talk and I, um, I learned how to advocate for myself. So if, um, and I had to learn how to um, repeat when I was sick and um, to communicate. So I learned that there are so many different ways to communicate. And later on, I also learned um, sign language. So um, I used different ways for um, communication, um, including sign language interpreters, I'm a captioning, and so many other tools that we have. And I also wanted to provide my... Um, visual description in my um, pronouns and my pronology and her in my visual description and then I'm a white woman from Sure Brown here. I have hazel eyes. I'm very um lipstick and I have um stunned earrings and um, a collar necklace and a black black police over a black dress. And I'm in my city hall office and you will see bookshelves behind me. Um so I wanted to make sure to do that. And um, it's so important. Just like you started this program, Sarah, with asking us to do a visual description. Because even though we're in um, a virtual space, it's still important to set up the space as an accessible Absolutely. and welcoming space. And um, we have to think about our physical space. It's something we will all be able to be together in the I know. Oh, I physical know. space, but we have to think about those spaces as, okay, I'm covered because I, I have a rib and I have an elevator, other ways to access it, but where people make the mistake that they stop there. Um, there are so much more that we can need to do to make our space accessible for both the physical and the communication access perspective. And that, that also applies here um, in our virtual space. And this is a really nice example of what we are doing. So please do just turn here. Um, and I think that this pandemic has provided us such an opportunity to be innovative, use the tools, for example, these tools assume you could, could be used to create even more accessibility. Absolutely. And I'm looking forward to today's um, discussion with everybody. Awesome. No, thank you for joining us today. We're so excited to have you. Okay. And last but not least, Deputy Commissioner Christina McGleam. Welcome, Good morning, Christina. everyone. <laughs> Good morning. Um, I'm Christina McGleam. Um, I have a short, uh, shorter length blonde hair, um, a green and black dress with a black blazer. Um, and my pronouns are she and hers. Um, like, like everyone, like a lot of the rest of us, um, my journey and my connection to disability is both personal and professional. 
Um, when I was 10, I was diagnosed with a visual impairment, um, which was the juvenile form of macular degeneration. Um, throughout my education and my schooling, my parents played a huge role in advocating for me um, to receive the services and accommodations I needed to be successful. Um, in college, I learned how to do that on my own. Um, and now I am proud uh, to work at the city of Chicago at the mayor's office for people with disabilities under the leadership of Mayor Lightfoot and of course, Commissioner Arfa to advocate for thousands of Chicagoans um, with disabilities. Um, I oversee our training, employment and youth initiatives. Um, so we have a close connection and a partnership with Chicago Public Schools and we work closely with them to um, transition, to work with transition age youth um, as they uh, move from CPS to college or career to make sure that um, yeah. they have the advocacy skills and the knowledge to, um, to be successful in the future. So thank you very much for having oh. us. No, we're so fortunate to have you both. Well, all four of our guests joining us today. And I think, you know, Lori, you teed it up well. It's, it's about tapping into this incredible you know, talent pool. And, and um, you know, it, 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 you also said it, you know, post-COVID, <laughs> there were so many complicating and stressful dynamics at play. But one of the silver linings is we've, 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 we now, I think, are all more comfortable being vulnerable. And so hopefully maybe some of these invisible disabilities can just be, you know, just more comfortably shared and addressed, you know, and leveraged, <laughs> you know, from a professional perspective. Um, so let's dive into, because as, as we do in every show, we want to educate and then we want to give action tips, you know, best practices for the leaders that are listening to us. And uh, I shared with, with the group as we were kind of teeing up for this call that I was Googling away and there was just pages and pages and pages of advice and guidance. But let's focus in on language and terminology so that whenever we're addressing someone or their disability, we, we do it with the utmost of, of respect and, and deference. And so I, I found one page, um, people with disabilities, instead of the disabled or handicapped, right? I see everybody's head nodding. Any other insight um, on that? Um, Lori, let's go to you. Well, I'm going to share, uh, this is Lori speaking, and that's another <laughs> another best practice in inclusiveness to introduce yourself before Thank you, you speak. And Absolutely. Not Thank you. Thank you. Everybody knows not. the voice. Yeah. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> um, I just think it's interesting to know the origin of the term handicap. And if you know the origin, um, you will cringe every time you use that, <laughs> you hear that word um, said. The, the origin of the term handicap is actually cap in hand. And we don't know if this is true, but the, the, the legend is that it comes from Victorian England at a time when uh, people who had disabilities, uh, notably the blind or uh, people who 
then we would call crippled, um, uh, used to stand on street corners um, begging with this, doing things like selling pencils and with a cap in hand. And hand in cap comes from the notion of um, being dependent, um, requiring charity from others, uh, and from a standpoint of victimhood rather than what we now um, try to emphasize, which is ability, strength perseverance. And I could go on and on, but I'll turn it over to someone else. I just wanted to share that because when I first heard it, light bulbs went off and I said, oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah, no. no, And and, and I've heard others um, uh, position it as I'm, I'm going to provide for all abilities, right? That more of that glass half full. Um, Michelle, you had mentioned, you know, with, with your own daughter, um, how over time, you know, um, that has changed the terminology. Yeah, part of it is, I mean, there's a couple of things that I could share here. Number one, part of that evolution of change is um, I felt like I was setting low expectations based on the way that I described her. Um, You know, it, it, Then that's really important, right? Because you don't want somebody to make assumptions before they know the person. Nobody wants that. So I transitioned to just saying, she has a learning disability because it felt like it softened the blow for her because she would be standing there with me. And, um, you know, it's a a difficult thing as a parent um, when you, you want your child to have equal access and equal opportunity and no preset definition or expectation. And I realized, am I, am I unintentionally doing that? Um, But, you know, one of the things I've been so proud about um, since I joined Walmart is that language is so important. Mm -hmm. Um, We, we recognize it as, as being a key to creating a very comfortable and safe culture. And what, what we are really working to practice is people first um, and, and the, the person first language, um, rather than the, um, whatever makes us all different. Um, so whether that's a disability or, or anything about us as individuals. Um, so that, that's one of the, the things though, that I've, I've learned. Um, I, you know, I don't, I'm, I'm her, my daughter's number one advocate. She, Absolutely. Um, you know, and yeah. so how do I, how can I use language that's going to, open more doors for her. And, and that's part of the, the, the net road I've navigated with language. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Commissioner Arfa, we talked a little bit about this when we got together a day or two ago. Um, people who are deaf, sadly, it used to be referred to as deaf and dumb or deaf mute. It Give us guidance on that. Absolutely. Um, so the adopt time, um, different kind of hearing people were called deputum or deputum mute. Yeah. Yet um, that so much of that is comes from this assumption in our society that to be able to function, you must be able to hear. 
Um, but we know that that's not true because there are deaf lawyers like myself, there are deaf doctors, deaf nurses, deaf actors, deaf directors, um, mm-hmm. many, many other things. So you do not have to be able to hear in order to be, um, to be successful or to be able to do anything. But that is by the assumption. And I even find that um, assumption uh, because you know, I, um, I talk with an accent and I find that people... Um, make judgments about me based on how I talk. You know, I, I wrote 18 years in speech therapy. I worked very hard to learn how to talk in here. Um, but I am still um, either people don't um, take the time to ask me to repeat myself when, um, if they don't understand me because it's not the speech pattern that they may be used to. Or, um, Let's be honest, it makes people feel uncomfortable because when you were not, um, you empowered or um, something you're not familiar with, you become uncomfortable and then naturally stick to just sort of shut down to um, avoid it. Or even worse, what I call for that week is when you shake your head at somebody and you nod and you smile. and I used, to, um, I used to do that when I was younger. Um, when I knew the people were not um, able to understand me, I was in fourth grade, and I would say, you know, my dog died. And people would just smile back at me, and I knew that they were not taking the time to understand me and to engage with me. And so I think that um, I think we're just so yeah. recruited. You know, yeah. the top and high of here in community, that's how, that's how we better be referred to them. Um, you know, um, the, the previous term was here in Capion. I grew up calling myself here in Capion, yeah. but um, the philosophy about that has evolved to where when you use the term here in Capion, it adopted how to here in community, it implies that there is something wrong with you. It does not how I think of myself because my disability has given me a different experience and I have different superpowers. And, um, Absolutely. I've interacted with different people too, so I am not appeared in any way about that. But um, so um, it's important absolutely to cut the terminology, right? But it's also just as important to recognize when you may be feeling uncomfortable into that discomfort. Yeah, no, and you've clearly role modeled. You, you are so approachable. And so eager, you know, to assist and educate. And I, I, I love that about you. And, you know, just in the short time that I've, I've gotten to know you and, and spot on it, it, your, the, the, the diverse experience that you bring is a superpower, right? And, and, and we say that across all of our incredible diverse communities and leaders that we partner with. And um, you mentioned your accent, you know, it came up in another show that, you know, sadly what happens is if somebody speaks with, say, a Spanish accent or whatever, the, the sad bias and immediate assumption is, oh, they don't speak English well, instead of like, oh, wow, they're multilingual and they know about multiple communities. And so they're even more valuable, you know, as a leader. And so, yeah, no, you hit that spot on. Um, Deputy Commissioner, um, for people um, who are blind, Sure. What's the what's the appropriate terminology so that we 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 treat everybody respectfully? Yes, um, this is Christina speaking. Um, you know, the words visually impaired still seem to be used a lot within the blind and visually impaired community. Um, there's also low vision. 
Although those, those things do mean um, low vision and visual impairment do mean different things, um, although they're often used interchangeably. Um, I don't think that, um, so it, it hasn't made the same change as it has within the deaf and hard of hearing community. Um, but I think that kind of boils down to one of the most important things to kind of remember when you are speaking to someone with a disability is if you aren't sure uh, to ask. Um, you know, some people might feel more comfortable with certain terminology. And at the end of the day, when you put the person first, um, it's just best to ask. So I think that exactly. that's really common within the autistic community. A lot of individuals who have autism like to be referred to as an autistic person instead of an individual with autism. Um, that's just an example. Um, but people wear their disabilities in different capacities. So if you weren't sure, um, the best thing to do is just to ask. Yeah, no, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, the, the other ones, um, instead of, well, you should say has specify the disability instead of afflicted with, um, born with instead of has a birth defect. We've heard that through the, the decades, right? Um, uses a wheelchair instead of confined to a wheelchair. Uh, yeah, no. Oh, and then, and then the other one, and I know we talked about this and we've just got a couple more minutes till we got to go to our break, but um, special needs. Ooh. And I, and I have to openly admit, humbly admit, um, that's been the term that my kids have all embraced from school. Um, and we've got some older generations in our family who use different terms, which I will not use. And I've always been proud of my kids when they've called these people out, like, you can't use that term. It's special needs. But you had some advice and guidance for us on special needs. Um, Lori, I see you shaking your head. Can you share with us special needs? Is that an appropriate term? Well, I, I want to rewind a little bit because it applies to special needs and it applies to the pejoratives that, that you were mentioning before, Sarah. We, we have a kind of saying at, at EY, and, and that's no heroes and no victims, so um, confined struggles with, suffered from, those are examples of victim language. Um, and special needs is the same. It says that we need to do something special for you because you are different and it implies a dependency um, that is pejorative. And that's what we want to stay away from. Yeah, no, thank you for that guidance. That was absolutely one of the many learnings, you know, I've had in getting to know all of you. Um, we're going to take a short commercial break. I want to thank everybody who's listened in so far to our Advancing All Women podcast. You can always check us out at newonline.org for more information on new all of our podcasts, but do not leave us because when we come back, we're going to shift to, okay, what are best practices and actions that we can all take as individuals and most importantly, as corporate leaders. Um, so we'll be back in a couple of minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. 
Network of Executive Women is a nonprofit dedicated to advancing all women and transforming our workplaces through the power of community. We are a growing community of more than 13,500 professional women and men, representing nearly 900 organizations across North America. We are a strong, collective voice for everyone in the corporate world who wants to see gender equality become a reality, and we welcome all who champion our cause. Members of NEW gain access to a broad network of like-minded professionals dedicated to women's equity and leadership development. Corporate organizations also gain access to DEI Solutions, which fosters a more inclusive and productive work culture. Plus, members can engage across NEW's 22 regional communities and attend two annual national conferences, which bring together the strongest minds in DEI and leadership. Join Network of Executive Women today. Visit newonline.org slash membership to learn more about becoming a member of NEW. That's newonline.org slash membership. Our thoughts and feelings not only affect our own lives, but the lives of everyone around us. Find new meanings of love, authentic expressions, and better connections with the people in your life. Tune in to Love Light with Dr. Jean Marie Farish. This program will feature guests and discuss ideas that will bring a better life to you. When you find this perspective on love, it will change everything. Listen live every Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. There are lots of unanswered questions about life's problems, and this is especially true about spiritual life. Why can't we see God? Why is there evil in this world? Why does God let bad things happen to us and to others? Can we get divine help? Join Carl Mollison and co-host Brian Kelly for Get Wisdom. They have new answers from the Almighty you need to hear. And listening could definitely change your life. Tune in every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Advancing All Women with host Sarah Alter. Want to learn more about the show and about Network of Executive Women? Visit our website today at newonline.org. That's newonline.org. Now, back to Advancing All Women. All right. Well, welcome back, everybody. You are listening to Sarah Alter in the Advancing All Women radio show and podcast. My pronouns are she and her. I am a white woman. I have blonde hair, hazel eyes. I'm wearing green glasses and a green shirt. And I am joined by an incredible group of guests, Commissioner Rachel Erfa from the Mayor's Office for People with Disabilities right here in the city of Chicago, and her Deputy Commissioner, Christina McLean. I'm joined by Lori Golden, Ability Strategy Leader, Ernst & Young, 
And last but not least, Michelle Adams, Vice President, Risk Management Operations and Casualty Claims, Walmart. And on today's show, we're discussing best practices around supporting women and, and, and quite frankly, men, right, with disabilities at work. You know, how do we combat ableism and what can you do as an individual and as a corporate leader and organization um, to step up? And I also I also want to note too, you know, so fortunate to have the commissioner and deputy commissioner that we 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 have here in Chicago. Um, but we intentionally asked both Walmart and Ernst and Young and their incredible leaders to join us today because they were on a list of the top companies who go, you know, who make it a priority and and a focus to support those who have disabilities and most importantly to hire them and tap into that incredible talent. So I want to thank both Walmart and, and EY, and they're also proud partners of new. <laughs> um, so let's dive into it. So um, uh, commissioner and, and, and deputy commissioner, let's talk about, um, okay, so as an individual, how can you model inclusive behavior, you know, when it, when it comes to, you know, supporting those with, with disabilities and, um Deputy Commissioner, let's start with you, and then Commissioner, we'll we'll round it out with you. So, Christina, if you'll go ahead and tee us up. Sure. Uh, this is Christina speaking. Um, I think a lot of the things that we are doing today, right here in this podcast, this um, discussion is a perfect example of ways to provide inclusion um, or promote inclusion within, um, an organization and make people feel, um, included. Um, so things such as introducing yourself before you speak, providing visual descriptions, um, providing accessibility, uh, for individuals who may need that. Um, I think that it's, it's been interesting through the pandemic to see how accessibility needs have changed. Um, I know for me, it, it's a lot easier for things to be virtual um, and uh, be able to use the technology that I already have on my computer. Um, and so I think, again, just going back to the fact that, you know, people with disabilities also need to, to be able to have an environment where they feel like they can speak to their supervisors or speak yeah. to um, their colleagues about things that they may need. Um, and the things that help them um, be successful. Yeah, and, and as you think about like Zoom, you know, Google Hangouts, Microsoft Teams, they are equipped with tools, right? And websites, I, I shared with you, I was, I was on a website, um, Annie Selke, <laughs> doing a shout out for that incredible um, designer. Um, and they have a, like the most amazing tool that addresses just a plethora of different disabilities and it allows everybody to have equal and full access on their website. And so to your point, it's very easy <laughs> in some cases to provide these tools and this support. So just make sure you, you make it happen. Um, Com Commissioner Arfa, anything you want to add to like at that individual level, you know, what more we can be doing to help support each other? No, absolutely. Um, so this is um, Commissioner Rachel Alpha. So um, we, I'm happy to share about things that we can do in the workplace. But I think it's really important, especially since we're talking about being a seagull woman, is that um, women have to help each other 
women have to support each other. It's so many of the opportunities that we get from um, that we have access to uh, through these informal networks that we build. And many times, women with disabilities attempt out of those informal networks. Um, maybe you have in the back of your mind five women that you support. Um, I encourage um, anybody listening to make sure that uh, through that pool of people they want to support includes people with disabilities, um, because that is if we are the. Um, that is a reality of our, how our job networks work is then um, in that network. But after time, there's so much higher for people with disabilities to access those networks for a number of reasons. Um, and actually, it can also support it or, um, help support women. And I will say also that um, being a woman has been a big, big part of my identity. It shapes other versus women. It does shape how you interact with people, how other people may respond to you with any other identities. Um, so it's important to um, talk about that. And then, of course, um, the workplace is really important to work with your hiring managers to make sure that um, you are accessible and welcoming to people with disabilities. Absolutely. Yeah. No. And women need to help women. Totally agree. <laughs> I love that you just said that. And, and again, this is Sarah speaking. Um, M- Michelle or Lori, anything you want to add? Um, Michelle, anything you want to add to all these great tips already? Yeah, I loved what Commissioner Arfa shared in terms of being welcoming. Um, one of the things that I experienced when I was trying to make the decision about whether to join Walmart or not, um, I shared as I was going through the recruiting process and, and the interview process that my, my biggest priority is, is making sure that if I decided to take this, this role and relocate from Florida to Bentonville, Arkansas, that there would be a community for my daughter. Um, because that has been honestly a lifeline for me is the friend, my closest friends are, are women who have daughters with similar types of challenges and disabilities that my daughter has. And leading that was, it's a hard thing to do. You know, the job wasn't as hard to decide about as it was what would be the impact to me and to my family. And immediately I was um, connected to people within the organization who have um, a similar situation that I was experiencing. And they were very welcoming and said, here's your network. Here's here's the the, the resources that are there for you. And, And that's so important, you know, it's we we have to lift each other up and be there to support one another and and help create those connections because as as we think about opportunities and what you might pass up because of the support system that you need you know that that's really unfortunate so i was really that was probably one of the things that made the biggest impression on me from an an accessibility and welcoming community that I would, it wasn't just the company, it was the community that I was, was joining. And, you know, one of the things is we've, we've talked about, you know, why is this so important? Um, As I've learned more being with Walmart, you know, Walmart is the the world's largest retailer. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that, that is so important to us is, you know, bringing everyday low price philosophy and the, the, People with disabilities control about $490 billion of, of disposable income, yet they are, wow. uh, as, a, as a population, 
group that has the highest prior, uh, poverty rate of any diverse population. So, it, you know, as a company, what we're looking to do is how can we, how can Absolutely. we, we build the need of that community and just being, again, it's, it's not just about the individual and it's just, it's not just about the company. It's how do we uplift the community and the community of people of this, of the population of, of disabled um, of people. So for me as an individual, I've experienced this and then being part of a company that says, okay, how can we make a difference? Um, and that's something I'm, I'm incredibly proud of. Lori, I'm, I'm sure you have some opinions here as well. Well, you know, you, you've, you've all raised some great points. Thank you, Michelle. This is Lori. <laughs> Thanks for, for the handoff. Um, one point I want to just uh, kind of reinforce that I think we've made in, in, in various ways throughout the discussion is um, to ask don't assume. And yes. that takes shape in terms of the language. Um, I, Christina said, you know, very eloquently, uh, people have different preferences and we want to respect individuals' preferences. So when in doubt, when you can't ask an individual, um, in general, in North America, um, what's described as, we, we spoke of people first language is preferred. But individuals um, have many specific preferences. Um, we uh, developed um, a mental health uh, awareness and education effort, a uh, effort aimed at having at helping our colleagues support our colleagues who might be struggling with their own uh, or friends or family members' met mental health issues oh, yeah. years ago six years ago, pre-pandemic, and we called it um, mental, we referred to mental health issues um, and stayed away from terms like mental illness, the, the logic being that mental illness would be scary um, and off-putting to many people and um, mental health seem to be a broader spectrum and um, warmer and more welcoming. And my own son, um, who has mental health issues, I'm using air quotes here, um, years ago came to me and said, I don't have mental health issues. I have a mental illness and it's a serious one. And if I had cancer, um, you wouldn't call it um, uh, disease issues. <laughs> right. um, it is a brain illness. Um, and Ted Kennedy says that, or Patrick Kennedy says that very eloquently. Mm -hmm. And um, he has a long history. There's a long history of mental illness um, in the Kennedy family. And he speaks very eloquently about the logic of looking at mental illness, which we all know is a huge issue, especially post-pandemic. And we haven't discussed it yet, but I bring it up because it's such no. a seminal issue. It is indeed. So Patrick Kennedy and my son prefer to be referred to as people um, who have mental illness, whereas others um, say I have mental health issues, psychosocial issues, psycho-emotional issues. There, and 
The other takeaway from this is to not judge, resist the urge to, to judge. Yeah. Um, there is nothing wrong if you prefer to be called autistic or an Aspie, which was years ago what some people with Asperger's um, tongue-in-cheek referred to themselves as versus somebody with autism or mentally ill or somebody with mental illness versus somebody who says, I have mental health issues. Um, suspend judgment. Uh, we all get to claim our own identities. Um, so that's a really, but, but another awesome. important point around this asking is don't make assumptions about what people can and can't do, want to and don't want to do. And this was brought to mind many, many years ago um, when we had, uh, still have luckily a, a wonderful individual who uses a wheelchair um, who uh, was being put up for an assignment where he would need to travel. Um, and uh, he was then a senior manager. Uh, and the discussion about whether to uh, staff him on this piece of work came up. And the partner who he reported to, um, when people in the room said, let's not put this person on this engagement because it's yeah. out of town and will require um, days out of town and it'll be really difficult for him. Um, and and we, we shouldn't burden him with that. The partner was smart enough and inclusive enough to say, how do we know that? Has anyone right. asked him? Right, right. And it Always ask um, if you don't know how to help somebody and you think you want to help somebody, ask them, A, if they want help and B, how they want that help because they may not want it, it or need it. Yeah, and, it, it, and, and similar themes just to women in general, right? Particularly those oh. that choose to have kids and, and keep asking, right? It, 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 you know, in, in an appropriate cadence, of course, but, you know, keep asking because situations may change. And, and I love it, Laura, you've shifted right to where I wanted to go, which is, okay, from that corporate perspective, um, Michelle, I've shopped in many a Walmart, love that store. Um, and the most beautiful thing is you, you see people with disabilities working there. And I love what you just said earlier, which is Walmart which is best practice, is, is equally focused on better serving their diverse customers or guests as they are their diverse employees. And in this case today, what we're talking about in terms of disabilities, can you share a little bit about what Walmart is doing to make sure that as an, an, as an employee, um, and you've also shared your Disney experience as well. If there's a Disney story or two, we'd love to hear about some tips for leaders in corporate organizations. Well, I think similarly between the two companies and what I've definitely experienced most recently um, since joining Walmart is how important our employee resource groups are. I'll, I'll, mm -hmm. um, when I was with Disney, I was a part of the employee resource group um, that they had. And immediately when I um, joined Walmart, that was on my list of things to do. Um, and for two reasons. Number one, 
because it's important and it's very meaningful and important to me, it's also a really great way to meet people um, and, and yeah. to learn more yeah. about what the company is doing. And I've been so incredibly impressed that Enable, which is the name of the um, associate resource group with Walmart, it's been around for over 15 years. And it's not only a great way to create those connections, but it also is a great way to influence and to provide input and awareness to issues that associates who are also customers um, with disabilities that they may be having. They could also be caregivers and advocates. Like I, I, I feel like I live in both places, but I see myself more mm-hmm. on the on the advocate um, side of the experience. But um, that's how our voice gets raised and, and, and is heard. And it, it is such a, a powerful way to, to hear from your employees, your associates. Um, you know, some of the other things we talked earlier about technology and in May of this year, um, Walmart announced the for- formation of the first accessibility center of excellence. And p- the goal there is to build um, an executive strategy where we have accessibility across the enterprise. And we know that technology is a big part of that. I'm always excited um, when I load my Zoom <laughs> and I see that I'm getting an upload and there's something new that's, and so whether it's um, captioning or something that has been enabled that wasn't there before. And I have this awareness of, wow, I didn't realize that wasn't there, but to the person who needed it, that's such a powerful impact that it's made for them, whether it's the captioning or, or anything um, like that. So I'm excited to see that there are these um, new things, new ways that we're looking at technology and accessibility so that we have an open platform to everyone. Um, I was really excited. This, I'll be very honest, this was my first time having an interpreter on a, a Zoom call um, when I met Commissioner Arfa's um, interpreter. And that, to me, this is just one more step that we're making that says, yeah, Zoom is accessible and it can be accessible to everyone as we've had to, to shift in the way that we work um, you know, you can tell by my backdrop that I'm working from home. I'm not at the Walmart office. Um, but when we started to have to, to move to a more remote and, and working from home, think about the, 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 the fact that we, we potentially were excluding a very big population. And it was just a, putting an interpreter on. And I don't want to minimize how difficult or hard that might be. But to me, as a person who doesn't need that, but sees the benefit of it, it really excites Absolutely. me. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, no, and, and special thank you to Jen, our interpreter, and to Kathy, who is our, our live captioner today. Thank you both for, for joining us. Okay, so we've got about three minutes left. Um, Lori, anything else you might want to add, you know, based on, on your rich experience and journey um, from a corporate perspective, actionable tips for our leaders? Yeah. Well, can I jump up for a second? I just have to um, connect oh, some please. of these. Um, so, but, Please do. Um, yeah. It's funny to respond to that. I'm so glad that you shared your experience about seeing an interpreter because um, many people that the corporate world um, have um, 
who were hiring people in fact really application from people with disability um, to see I mean application from being able a deaf person it assume yes. oh, um, you know deaf that means they could be expensive that means I'm gonna have to pay for a psychic which it took about 24 seven um, they could need so much help but in fact that's not the reality maybe um, what they need in a turbo for a certain number of meanings um, but um, also you continue to to get part of nine cooperation so do they have the budget to be able to fit in into an it is a very very tiny percentage um you are overall budget too but there is still this could be the attitude that people with disabilities are expensive and whether that is actually is made um people with disabilities don't get those kind of job opportunity because of assumptions that Performed before they even have the opportunity to interview and show uh, their, what they can do and what they, how they consume the company or, or their job. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a really big. Uh, if, and if you take away anything from that, I hope that people remember that that um, there are so many different ways to provide accommodation. It is not. Um, the, many of Absolutely. these assumptions are incorrect, but also I also want to point out that without having come say the Gritchie Turbulence is that one of the opportunities of this pandemic is that um, I can use um, say the Gritchie Turbulence from all over the country, and so it makes it much easier. So I'm not worried about finding a turbulence who are in my physical space in exactly the same time. Absolutely. So that's another opportunity here. Now, it, such an excellent point to end on. Commissioner Urfa, it, it, it's a drop in the bucket, right? <laughs> in the overall scheme of things and the value you're, you're, you're going to experience both as an individual, the impact, right? And as an organization, it's but a small investment to, to make sure that you are providing an inclusive community where everybody feels like they belong. Um, sadly, and this happens every week, like we just completely run out of time. We could go for another hour. Um, but sadly, we must go. Um, I want to thank everybody who listened in today. I want to thank our absolutely incredible guests and, and leaders. Um, thank you for sharing your, your perspectives and your journeys and, and your advice. I want to thank Voice America for giving me and New the opportunity to share our voice and our story and our mission with all of you. And you made it happen. We just crossed the milestone. We have over 10,000 listeners. So thank you. Thank you. So join us next week. And what we're going to hear about and talk about is parenting tips, parenting tips for working parents in these cray-cray times. To learn more about New and listen to all of our podcasts, check us out at newonline.org. And huge favor, we would love your thoughts on the types of topics you want us to cover. So please reach out to me and, and my team at connect at newonline.org. I'm Sarah Alter, and thank you to everybody for joining us today. Thanks for listening to Advancing All Women with host Sarah Alter. Be sure to tune in again next week. Our program is live every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment or catch our replays weekly on Voice America Influencers. Until we talk again, enjoy your week.